the Salvation Army Thrift Store, we're not for profit. We're for appreciating the classics, for ever-growing amateur collections, for finding the sounds that speak to your soul. We're for making a difference right here in your community. At the Salvation Army Thrift Store, we're not for profit. We're for good. Shop today at the Salvation Army Thrift Store near you. In other words, it's not so much about the message, but it's that we've worked on ourselves and we try, we show through modeling and through our nervous system that we are a safe, grounded human being that they can come to and they can tell us anything. They can tell us anything and we will listen and we will be patient and we will not lecture and use rationalizing and try to get them to see the light and reason with them. And we will not invalidate their feelings and say, oh, you shouldn't feel this way or you shouldn't think that or you shouldn't whatever. But we will say with curiosity, wow, tell me more. Welcome to Tilt Parenting, a podcast featuring interviews and conversations aimed at inspiring, informing, and supporting parents raising differently wired kids. I'm your host, Debbie Reber. In this episode, I'm excited to bring you a thoughtful and practical conversation about the particular considerations for this back-to-school season. For many kids, the first time back in a physical classroom in over a year. And who better to have this conversation with than a friend of the show and our favorite renegade teacher-turned-executive-function coach, Seth Perler. For those who are new to the show, Seth's mission is to help struggling students navigate a crazy educational landscape while doing his part to disrupt and improve education. And he's been on the show a number of times to talk about executive function, resistance, and shortcomings in our school system. As we prepare for the upcoming school year, there is so much anxiety in the air. And Seth and I keep hearing from parents, what's it going to be like? What about learning loss? How can I support my neurodivergent child with yet another adjustment? So Seth and I wanted to talk frankly about all these concerns and more. In our conversation, Seth talks about the challenges parents, caregivers, and educators face in supporting our kids post-pandemic, what our biggest priorities should be, and gives us concrete suggestions on specific things to do to help our kids and ourselves prepare for the transition back to school after a difficult and disruptive year. I can always count on Seth to bring passion, practicality, and profound insights to our discussions. I hope this conversation helps you feel confident and hopeful as we head back to school. Hey, Seth, welcome back to the podcast. Awesome to be with you again, Debbie. Yeah, I was going to say something really special about you being the most celebrated guest on the show. You've been on more than anyone else, but I did not prepare a speech, but congratulations, I'll just say. (laughs) (laughs) So first of all, listeners, please check out the show notes pages because Seth has been on this show a lot. We collaborate often. We are good friends. We are on the same page um, in this work that we're doing. And so if you are new to the show, go back and listen to those episodes because there's a lot of good stuff there and you'll get to, to know Seth through that as well if you're not familiar with him. But I'd love if you just kind of tell us what's happening in your world. You know, how are you doing right now and what's new and exciting for you? Yeah, well, uh, you just said that we're on the same page. It's so good to 
collaborate with you. You know, you're one of my favorite people. You're my favorite education podcaster in the world. And being on the same page, um, you know, and, and, and related to like what's going on with me means that, you know, I'm in the midst of, as always, of my life's work and trying to sort of figure out how I can use the last however many decades of my life to contribute to kids and education and humanity and, and the world and people having good lives. So that's where I think you and I are, you know, we're coming from this place of there's some crazy gene that we have that we're like obsessed with that sort of a question, like what can we do to bring good? Um, and we just happen to, you know, our ways through trying to help kids. So um, I'm doing, I'm overwhelmed with those things. I get so many ideas and I have a lot of coals in the fire, some that my audience knows about and some that my audience doesn't know about, but that where I'm just always trying and, you know, the, um, I run a summit, which is coming up and, and I finished coaching for the school year. And so anyhow, that's kind of what's going on with me. I'm just, it's like the school year is over with kids. It, it was a crazy year, um, a bizarre year on so many levels such a privilege, such a privilege to work with families and kids during this time and to try to do a little bit to be helpful to people. But still, it was an exhausting school year um, with a lot of needs. And I'm glad to have a little bit of a break from that. But obviously, it's kind of like when you clean the counter in, in the kitchen as everybody starts throwing stuff down on the counter because there's a clean, so, you know, it's like there's this void and boom, instantly it's like a vacuum and it's filled with other projects that have been on the back burner. Yeah, that is definitely something that you and I share. And it seems like there is no shortage of ideas, no shortage of things to do. And the need is so great. So um, I'm just going to say, make sure that you do take time to rest and take care of yourself. I know that you've you're, you're pretty good about taking care of yourself, but that's really a message I drill home to parents, but I'm going to just drill it home to you too. I try. I, I do. I do try. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of self patience that has to come with that because I never get my list done ever. Yeah. Yep. Self-compassion, patience. Yeah. yeah. I feel you. I feel you, Seth. So, you know, as we're recording this, it's almost a year to the day when you and I started talking about, you know, what was going on for our kids. And we saw such a great need among the parents and educators uh, serving differently wired kids, especially in this, in such a a year it was uh, with COVID and, and then going back to school and this unusual landscape. And we, we collaborated and, and did this webinar. I think it was four hours long called what should we be doing anyway? And it was all about prioritizing, you know, what should our priorities be right now for our kids? So now that we are a year has gone by since we did that, we are still entering the school year in a strange landscape, you know, for different reasons. And I'm just wondering, what do you think? Let's answer that question again. You know, have the priorities changed? What is really coming forward for you as being something that's really, or the things that are really important right now? Yeah, the priorities have changed, in my opinion. Um, I think the number one priority remains the same, and we're probably on the same page about that. But the number one priority is love, loving your kid, loving your family, loving yourself, 
Um, love not as just a feeling, but love is an action. Uh, meaning love means spending time with your kid, you know, doing it. You're saying about my self care, me getting the sleep I need, getting the fitness, the connection with people, the time to myself, like loving, lo- loving myself through action, loving, uh, you know, but in terms of this conversation, loving your kid through action, laughter with your kid, notice like taking time to plan, not just all the extracurriculars and all the things that have to be on the planner, but to plan time for unstructured connection, game time, conversations about absolute meaningless stuff and conversations about super heavy stuff with your kid. So love through doing, going places with them, doing things with them, those sorts of quality time, quality time with your kid. And I think under the umbrella of love as an action and thinking about how, how to support our kids and the priority, it's still, that's still the number one priority. But what is a little bit different in the tone of that for me, you and I use the term deep inner work. When we do our deep inner work, when the adult does their own self-reflection or meditation or prayer or journaling or therapy or counseling or whatever, or support groups, or the really hard, hard, hard work of looking inside, being honest, personal growth. When we are doing that work, we're modeling for our kids. Hey, I love myself. And this is what an adult who loves themselves does. And this year, I feel like there needs to be more of a commitment from all the adults on planet Earth to stretch ourselves and to work on our own fears, our own belief systems, our own um, motivations for why we're our own thoughts and actions and why we think the things we do, because there is so much tension in the world right now. And our kids, as they enter school this fall, are going to be exposed to a lot of new heated, different conversations, which in some ways is super exciting. And in some ways, there's a lot of darkness around this and a lot of fear and a a lot of emotion that they're going to be exposed to. So I think more than last time. Now, last time we we had, you know, COVID was brand new and it was a, a different texture of fear and discomfort and confusion and stuff. I think it is more important this fall than last fall. Um, Cause last fall I was like, we're all in this together. Everybody's all these famous artists are making these YouTube videos with music together from different locations, blah, blah, blah. Everybody's like coming together. And now there's been like these great divisions. Okay. We humans need each other. Even if we don't agree on everything, we need each other. We absolutely. And so I think more than ever, we need to get real honest and real clear on uh, what is triggering us and how real that is, like how much of it is our nervous system and our story and our, and, and how true are those stories um, and get real clear on that through the, the deep inner work. So that's, so I do think the number one priority is still the same love, love is an action connection, relationship, building the relationship with your kid. That's the number one priority, but in 
doing that action, I think the stretching yourself and the commitment to doing something extra this year, I hate to put more on people's plates. Um, not like I'm telling anybody what they need to do. Who the heck am I? But, but I, I feel like we as the adults, the leaders for our kids in this world need to set the example by having a commitment to really stretching ourselves and really being able to go to our kids and be like, hey, I'm sorry, I made a mistake about such and such. I was wrong. Hey, I've been working on this thing about myself. What are your thoughts? What do you notice I should be working on? What do you wish was different? How can I show up for, you know, things like that? So what, mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on different priorities? What about you? Yeah, I mean, similarly, I'm I'm thinking so much about our kids' mental health right now. And this is, you know, certainly not a new discussion that I'm having on the show and um, and talking with other colleagues and parenting authors and people working in child development and therapists. Mental health is the term that just keeps coming up. And so really knowing that we, like, I love that you talked about us doing our own work because we as parents and caregivers and educators, we have been through a lot and we are depleted. We, we are in a different place. And I don't think we've recovered. I've been really enjoying Adam Grant's articles on languishing. And, you know, um, he's been writing these interesting pieces for the New York Times about the the collective emotional states mm-hmm. that we are moving through. But I think it's really important that we are aware of the fact that we are moving through this, that we are in this state and processing things. And so leaning into that, that rawness, that that learning, that growth and modeling and for kids. I love that you you talked about that. And I think it's really important uh, that we kind of stay focused on that area of emotional, mental well-being, mental health, uh, supporting where we are right now, which is a pretty it's a tricky space. And I and I'm I'm expecting that the entry to school is going to be perhaps more challenging than we expect. Would you Agree with that? Absolutely. I think the divisiveness as, as we go back to school. And one, one of the things I did want to talk about today is the patience for teachers. And in my work as an executive function coach, I get the kids who don't fit in the box and who struggle in school. And I often get kids where there is a teacher or two who, you know, everyone's why, you know, we're having the discussion and, and I'm like, wow this teacher should not be in the classroom. Like there are those teachers, but most teachers are not that teacher. And 50% of teachers leave by year five. That's an astounding statistic. And now there are more teachers leaving and there are fewer people who are saying, I want to be a teacher. Why would people want to? I mean, people want to because they love kids, but the price that they have to pay in, in terms of emotionally and people, people are a lot more clear nowadays what that means, but to go into a system where you're going to be, there's so much divisiveness amongst parents. Um, I, I just want to encourage everybody when, when you don't see eye to eye with the teachers, um, give them benefit of the doubt many times, be super patient with them. Don't write them a book. If you're going to write them an email, um, know that you're on the same page, know that they, they most more than likely they really have your kid's best interest at heart and they're trying to understand your kid. They want to know what your kid needs. So just the patience for teachers and understanding what they're going through. 
I, I can't imagine being a teacher right now as a teacher for 12 years, and I, I really can't imagine it now. Mm-hmm. So thank you to the teachers out there and just be patient with them and, and assume positive intent because it mm-hmm. probably is. Yeah. Thank you for that reminder. That's something else I've been talking a lot about with some of my other peers is just how burned out teachers are. So that's a, a great reminder. We need them and they're with our kids yeah. so much. Like, mm-hmm. But yeah, I think this school year that, again, the texture is going to be different. That it's, I think there's going to be more pressure on teachers and schools and people going to schools angry, parents going to schools angry and and not having the whole story and coming from, you know, political perspectives about their perceptions of things and just creating a lot of. So, yeah, I think it's going to be I think this fall is a lot different in, in that way. And it scares me for kids. It really does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I want our kids to live in a, a peaceful country, a peaceful world and in a place where we problem solve and and are accepting and understanding and. There are a lot of loud people who are not that. Mm-hmm. And it's scary. We'll be right back after this quick break. We just celebrated our two-year anniversary of Gotcha Day when we adopted our sweet Haskell, my cat who acts like a dog, plays fetch, and who I'm pretty sure has sensory processing differences. Are you getting a new pet soon? That means you'll need to think about getting the necessities like food, toys, a bed. Something you may not be thinking about, though, is pet insurance. That's why you should check out ASPCA Pet Health Insurance. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program offers customizable accident and illness plans, making it easier for pet parents like you to help your pet get the care they may need. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program has been around for over 18 years, and they've helped more than 600,000 pets during that time. They allow you to customize your plan, helping ensure that your pet's plan is as unique as they are, because vet bills can really add up, especially when you're least expecting it. It's simple. Use their app to submit a claim and you'll receive reimbursement for eligible vet bills directly into your bank account. To explore coverage, visit ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash parenting. That's ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash parenting. Again, that's ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash parenting. This is a paid advertisement. Insurance is underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by PTZ Insurance Agency Limited. The ASPCA is not an insurer and is not engaged in the business of insurance. There's so much more to maintaining a healthy gut microbiome than eating a balanced and healthy diet, travel, certain medications, and of course, something many of us have plenty of in our daily life, stress, are just some of the other factors that can totally throw off our systems. Enter Ritual. They created Symbiotic Plus, a three-in-one supplement with clinically studied prebiotics, probiotics, and a postbiotic to support a balanced gut microbiome. Their supplement includes two of the world's most clinically studied probiotic strains to support the relief of mild and occasional bloating, gas, and diarrhea. I like Symbiotic Plus because it delivers all this goodness in one single nested minty delayed released capsule designed to help survive the harsh conditions of the upper GI tract. And because the capsules don't require refrigeration, I just keep them on my desk so that I get that helpful visual cue every morning. Plus, they're easy to bring with me when I travel. There's no more shame in your gut game. Symbiotic Plus and Ritual are here to celebrate, not hide your insides. 
Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash tilt. Start Ritual or add Symbiotic Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash tilt for 25% off. So how else can we prepare ourselves so that we can better prepare our kids? Because I think, you know, I always talk about it, just having expectations that are in alignment with reality and what's happening. And so what other thoughts do you have about what, what parents can do to make this transition as, I don't know if peaceful is the right word, but, you know, to be able to move through it in a way that doesn't have to feel maybe as scary or so disruptive and, and that we can really show up for our kids as we make this transition. I think there's value in um, talking about the term scaffolding because as the kids are transitioning, there are going to be expectations that the kids do certain things, jump through certain hoops. And then we have parenting styles that are very uh, on two different ends of the pendulum and everything in between um, and in a bunch of different metrics. But just in terms of when it comes to how much a child follows through with the expectations from school, from teachers, from homework, from planners, from organizing, from all the from looking online to find their stuff online. What these kids are expected to do is a lot. And then do they have extracurriculars on top of it and this and that? What they're expected to do is quite overwhelming. And scaffolding is a concept that that refer. There's also a term similar to it called gradual release of responsibility. You can Google that. But essentially, a scaffold is something that you can build higher and higher. Let's say you're painting a building. You can start with a small scaffold and keep building on it as you're going up. Similarly with kids, you know, you're supporting them and that level of support changes depending on the needs. So know that there's a time when, when you do something for them. You just say, hey, kiddo, you want me to organize your backpack for you? You take it. You get it done in five minutes. Let them focus on working on the homework or whatever it is. There is a time when you have them do their backpack independently. There's a time when you do the backpack with them in an age and so on and so forth. You know, there's a time when you say, this is ridiculous. I'm not going to let my kids sit here for 20 minutes trying to figure out what the heck is the assignment. I'm going to sift through the websites real quick and figure it out for them. And there is a time when you say, oh, you can handle this. Let's get you independently doing it. There's a time when you say, this makes no sense. This is crazy. I'm going to email the teacher and and the admin and be like, we do not understand this. We can't expect our kid to understand this. You need to be clear. We're not going to play games with you all year. Please get, please get yourself in check (laughs) and, and make sure it's clear as to what the kid's expected to do, how long it's supposed to take, where it's supposed to be turned in, how it's supposed to be done you know, those sorts of things. So I think scaffolding, you know, when are you doing, and this is different for every family, but when are you doing too much for your child where it's enabling, it goes into learned helplessness, you're not helping, you're doing too much for them. When is it not enough? You've taken the training wheels off and they're just going to like really bruise themselves up in a bad way. When is it just right? And, And it's different for every family, every kid, every situation, but find your scaffolding your way of scaffolding your own truth about when are you doing too much when are you doing too little so i think that that's one really important concept to keep in mind as as you approach this fall and it's okay sometimes 
to do things for them is what I mm-hmm. wanted to say. And there's a time when not to, and there's a time to say the expectations are not realistic. My kid needs to come home and, and have downtime because of whatever. And we need to, in good conscience and with confidence, contact the school and know we're not a helicopter parent. We're not a bad parent, but we are saying this is too much. I don't want you to fail my kid. We can't do this right now. Like mm-hmm. the, we're not going to spend two hours on this math assignment, you know, whatever or whatever. Yeah. And, and I think scaffolding is one of those really tricky things. And I think it's tricky now more than ever because some of our kids may have regressed. Some of our kids may be struggling with mental health issues. And so we may be really building up scaffolding and taking a lot of demands off their plates and just doing more things for them so that they don't feel shut down, right? Or in that defense mode. And so I think it's really important reminder for listeners too to just check yourself, right? Like if you're noticing you're having this strong response that, well, my child used to be able to do this, so they should be able to do it now, or my child needs to be able to do this. You know, when we start using that language, they need to be able to do this. They have to be able to do this. Um, That is, I think, an invitation to be like, is that really true right now? Is that where our energy needs needs to be uh, focused right now? So just that idea of their we might need to be more attuned because that scaffolding might be changing from day to day. And that's okay. I think that's to be expected right now. So I love that reminder. Um, And I guess, you know, because I am hearing from parents and caregivers, you know, there's this kind of underlying panic, especially because of words like learning loss, which I see on, you know, clickbait and articles all the time. And there, there is this idea that, our kids are behind. We need to get them caught up. Um, and, and so I, my question for you is, why should parents and caregivers not be panicking about loss that they may have had or the fact that their executive function skills might be lagging more than they anticipated? Yeah. Yeah. When you, when you said um, that they need to get caught up or like that, it, it's like compared to what? Yeah. You know? I had a mentor one time and I was complaining about something and he goes, what is, is Seth? And it may sound so silly, but I, I needed to hear that, you know, it it just is. Um, And what we, let's get focused on what we want. We want our kids to have a good life. That's it. So let's say that the standards say that a kid in this grade should have this skill, you know, at this level. Well, what does that have to do with your kid's quality of life? It may or it may not. I mean, but to just question those sorts of things who and start questioning, well, who even wrote the standard and why was it written? And what about and are, is mental health in the standards? Is, is social emotional stuff in the standards is, you know, so I, I guess keep, keep the priority on, you know, what does my kid need to have a good life? They need good mental health. They need to have good relationships. They need to know um, how to have healthy boundaries. They need to know how to push themselves and how to take care of themselves. They need, you know, they, there are all these things that they need. And 
there were so many problems in the last year and a half, but there was also so many opportunities. So many people did so many interesting things with their time and energy during during this time. Um, so there were there were a lot of good things that happened during that time. So really, really be have you know the we talk about curiosity and non judgmental. Really, really have that curiosity and non judgmental attitude of oh, that's an interesting thought I just had about this thing. Um, and this is the same thing you and I talk and most of these experts talk about when we're talking about communicating with the, with kids. Oh, I notice the term I notice. I notice you blah, blah, blah. I notice my mind just said this. I notice my narrative and my story. In my mind. I notice I have a fear around this. I notice I feel anxious. I'm curious about that anxiety. I'm curious. Uh, I'm observing this. I'm not judging it. I'm like, wow, Seth, that's an interesting thought. What's that about? Where does that come from? Is that true? If it is true, how true is it? Do I want to continue? So as far as trying to get them, quote, caught up, there is value in asking those questions, too. Like, it depends on what the thing is. In terms of, let's say something, and I'll, I'll sort of end with this, but let's say something like reading skills, right? Let's say that um, I, I always felt like I wish we evaluated reading differently. I think if we were to evaluate reading, quote, right, um, a kid who who has good reading skills is a kid who who you say, hey, what do you think about reading? And the kid goes, oh, I love it. That it means that they had a good education around reading. How many kids can you walk up to and say, hey, what do you think about reading? And they say, I love it. Or how do you feel about how many kids are going to say, I love reading? Mm-hmm. Plenty, but <laughs> um, that's what we want. We want them to love it. Oh, how, how do, what do you feel about math? Oh, I love math. It's so interesting and challenging. So, but, you know, there are deficits. There are, math is, a, is an area where you can really see, you know, when, when it's not practiced, you can really notice it. But, you know, it's, it's, it just doesn't, it's just not in the same realm as the mental health stuff. You know, but there's so much pressure from the narratives. Listen carefully, please. There's so much pressure from the narratives in culture and society around the things we are supposed to do. Like, for example, go to college in, in this world. So really questioning the narrative in the first place. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that we are in total alignment in in that you talked about, I think in the very first time you were on my show, you've always talked about this idea of zooming out, just always be zooming out and, and thinking about what are we doing here anyway. And so that's just such a, a good reminder. We are raising adults. We are raising humans that we want to know who they are and understand how to create the life that they want and what they need to do to do that. So this is an opportunity, another opportunity to get curious about that, to notice our own fears, timeline-driven fears, and what we're making it mean if our child is behind or, or lagging. I love and, your semantics, um, what we're making it mean. I mean, these yeah. are, your semantics are very careful, and I love it. Well, you're catching me on a good day, Seth, so thank you. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back after this quick break. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. 
Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. Well, so, I mean, these are such good things to be thinking about. And we are having somewhat of a theoretical conversation uh, or philosophical conversation. I acknowledge that Seth and I can can go deep um, when we're talking about our own deep inner work as well. But let's pivot and talk about some practical considerations. You know, your focus and, and the work that you're so brilliant at involves executive function and, and supporting kids with lagging executive function skills. Are there any like specific things for this back to school season that you think would be especially important for us to keep in mind? Yeah. So as we alluded to the, the, the mental health stuff, I mean, everybody's just going to be on edge. You can, you can think of it that way this year. It's just everybody, there's just, uh, again, like a texture of anxiety of, and that feels very unsafe. And what that means is that your nervous system, your child's nervous system there's just a heightened anxiety. It's kind of like, um, I, true story. I came home last night and I saw the biggest spider and I, I love insects. I love tarantulas. I'm a pet person, animal person. This was the biggest spider in a house I've ever seen in my life. So, <laughs> God. so I did whatever I did with that spider, <laughs> but Going to bed that night, my nervous system was aware that there might be a giant spider crawling on me and biting me with its fangs and ending my life. Now, that that is uh, obviously <laughs> overblown. That, that's actually a really good example of sometimes what happens when our thoughts uh, can get um, make mouths out of molehills. But needless to say, my nervous system was aware throughout the night. I can't see if I feel anything weird, you know, if it's the sheet grazing my face, if it's a, a hair from my head grazing my, you know, like my nervous system is like, what's that? What's that? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. our kids are going back into a situation where everybody's just kind of, there's just a little bump in, in the, the collective world nervous system right now. And in some places on earth right now, there's massive, you know, massive bumps. I mean, there, there are places on earth right now with just huge populations of people getting sick right now and so on and so forth. So reel me back in. Where were we going with this? Yeah. So bearing that in mind, then knowing that this is the environment our kids are walking into, how can we kind of practically prepare them? How can we support whether it's executive function or... Really long story. You you all get that. You listeners get that at no extra charge. Okay. <laughs> but the, wh- where I was headed with that is just to know that and know that th- there are going to be days when your kid is having a, quote, bad day. They're, they really are. They just are. There's no gas in the tank to do four hours of homework or one hour of homework or five minutes of homework. There just isn't. And what I want to encourage people to do is to go to admin as a group with multiple parents 
not and, and just parents where you're all on the same page about, look, we're just looking out for our kids. I don't care what your COVID beliefs or mask beliefs or political beliefs are just for our kids. Let's go as a group. And we need to tell the admin, please, please, please. And this goes back to what you and I talked about a year ago. When it comes to homework, administrators, please tell your teachers less is more. Remember when we talked about less is more mm-hmm. last year? Mm-hmm. Please beware that our kids are going to have bad days. Please talk to your teachers because you're the leader of the school about not wasting our kids' time and energy looking for details on these portals, which are freaking insane. And I have kids that have to go to three or four portals to figure stuff out. Tell your teachers, please, to all update their grades on Fridays or Wednesdays. I don't care. Or once a week or daily. I don't care what it is. Get So I'm saying to the parents, because it's mostly parents listening, but have a group of you come together and tell the principals, please, stop the insanity with all of the chaos with the online stuff. Get your staff. You're the leader. Get your staff on the same page about how to communicate. Because you got teachers who are awesome. And they have every detail. They have PDFs. They update the grades in a reasonable amount of time. Um, they have reasonable late policies or whatever the thing is. And then you have teachers who you can't even, I can't even figure out because I work with a, a lot of students, what the heck they're expecting. So first thing I want to say, and that, that goes back to the, where, where I started, the, the mental health stuff, everybody's on edge. Look, please stop wasting our time. Get it together. Get it together. I'm, I'm just so... Uh, annoyed by kids wasting time. These are kids who struggle anyway, and they're spending a half hour trying to figure out what the heck they need to do. So the word I use is coherence. Get Tell your admin to get coherent. And then less, tell them that less is more on the homework. Just because you're giving, your teachers are giving homework doesn't mean kids are learning more. Have your teachers have awesome learning experiences. And look, tell, tell the principals too, look, We don't really care about Common Core and all these standards and all these textbooks and dotting all the I's and crossing all the T's. Tell your teachers to inspire their students. Tell them that this year you're not going to evaluate them on their SMART goals and their data. Tell them that you're going to evaluate them on how many kids walk out of their class smiling this year, saying, Mm -hmm. I could learn something cool. Anyhow, um, so anything you wanted to add to that before I get into super practical? Just, yeah, I hear you. And and, uh, that's my hope. That administration is going to come back to school and focus on these things. I, I worry about the the pressures of of testing, standardized testing, and you know just all of the things. And so I, I do hope that I hope that there's not a push to kind of go back and not consider what's actually happening right now and what our kids have been through. And I wouldn't be surprised if that happens too. And that's why I said go to them as a group of people of parents who are on the same page because. They're not going to respond. They're they're gonna. There's this narcissism that happens in schools where it's like, oh, you're the parent. You're crazy. You don't have a valid voice. You know, you're you're a helicopter parent. You, you know, there there's this pre- and yeah. So you need to be with other people and be like, we're not crazy. Our mental the mental health of our kids comes before everything. You know, you you have there has to be power in numbers with this stuff. I think. So the next thing is. Uh, particularly, Debbie, with, with our kids who struggle, particularly with the kids that struggle, but this is probably good for all kids. Um, you know, if you, if you really, really, really want to support their executive function, if you can, uh, as soon as possible, before school starts, if possible, 
downsize, declutter, minimize. There are three types of downsizing and decluttering I want you to consider. The first and most concrete is the physical decluttering, like help your kid get rid of all their old clothes, all their old books, all their old toys, all their old anything that they do not need. The more stuff your kid has to manage, um, the less manageable their life is going to be, the harder it's going to be, the more stuff there is. And the less stuff there is, the more easy it's going to be. for, for So for kids who struggle with executive function, having less stuff, they're, they're trying to learn how to organize life. I mean, they're going to have an apartment or a house someday and, and maybe a spouse someday and maybe a family someday. And they're going to have to organize their life. And they need a, a manageable amount of stuff to organize. So start with that. And then decluttering digitally, like these kids are on all kinds of lists. And they, I, I, I have kids with thousands of unread emails, like help them unsubscribe, help them understand the safety stuff around giving their information out. Um, and the more digital we get, the more risks there are to people finding their financial information, blah, 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 um, to safety, essentially. So downsize digitally with them, help them know how to manage an inbox and how to reply to an email, whatever, but to downsize and declutter digitally and then mentally. So downsize and declutter mentally. And what that really means is like getting back to the, um, you know, the deep inner work, the more we as adults are sort of resolving our old, old baggage and stuff. Um, and we've all got it. There's no shame in it. We've all got it. The more, but the more we declutter that stuff, the more, you know, the more present we are with our kids and the more they can kind of declutter their minds from, yeah, I guess, cluttery emotions and that, that don't need to be there because we can work through more stuff. So the downsides and declutter digitally, physically, and mentally is, was my thought on that. I love that all so much. I am a habitual purger. So you are totally speaking my language and, and we are about to be moving apartments in a few weeks. So I am in a major decluttering phase, but I love that suggestion to do that digitally as well. I mean, that is something that I know in my household, it's incredibly overwhelming. The email situation is crazy. And it's going to require quite a bit of time, but I'm going to do that work now with my teen. And then the mentally, yeah, decluttering mentally. As you were talking about that, I've noticed that kids are more open to doing some, you know, whether it's trying to do a meditation or whether it's trying, you know, I have seen this and heard from many parents just that their kids are struggling so much that they're a little more receptive or maybe open to trying something because they're like, well, you know, what do I have to lose at this point? And so you may have given me this language, this idea of saying, would you be willing to try? That is language I'm using a lot right now. Would you be willing to try this? Would you be willing to do this class on well-being with me? Would you be willing to, and you know, asking our kids what they're, if they're up for something um, and trying to introduce little habits or strategies or tools to help them declutter mentally, because I do think that they, many of them are craving that right now. Mm-hmm. I, I think there's so much research now that we, we understand that a lot of us have had trauma mm-hmm. and there's big T, big T trauma and little T trauma. And people misperceive that if you have trauma, that means that you were in a war or you were burglarized violently or something like this. And well, there's little T trauma that so many of us have had and so many uh, adults have gone and sought help and found, oh, help actually helps. These people have been trained 
to do things that help us. And, you know, people have really learned ways to, to heal stuff that. So thank goodness, I, I think there's a lot less of the stigma of, oh, if I ask for help, that means I'm broken or something's wrong or we do not ask for help in my family and I will never do, you know, that has changed a lot. Thank goodness for our kids' sake. Absolutely. So, so after we declutter and stuff, then we need to organize and I'll keep it brief, but in organizing, look, our kids who struggle with executive function, their minds just, you can just think that their minds are not built for organizing unless it's something that's high interest to them. Then you might see incredible organization, but we're not worried about that. We're worried about what they're struggling to execute on that is important for them to do that they don't want to do. So helping them to organize things, have homes for things, label things, visual, 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 visualize your help. You can help them organize their inboxes. You can help them create labels, which they may have never done. You may have never done. You can help them organize, you know, their drawers literally by putting a photograph or a drawing or an icon or a word of what goes in that drawer um, and just simplifying. And I'm not saying detailed organization. I'm saying very like, um, I was just talking with uh, another person the other day in this field, but like the box for school supplies doesn't have to be organized with like paper clips and pencils and bullets, just school supplies, big catch all. So for these kiddos, just here in some broad categories are electronics and cables, a box for that stuff, a box for socks, a box for shoes. You know, they don't have to be lined up on the ground. They can be just thrown in a box messy. That is good enough. These kids need to start developing these habits of this is my inbox for my homework. This is where my keys and my wallet and my school ID go every day. There's a little box by the door, you know, and but label, 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 color, visual and same with routines. You can that's another thing you can think of is organizing, organizing with routines, post them, make it visual, 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 homes for everything. So now you've decluttered, now organize things in a way that is way more visual than you would think would be necessary because it matters and it helps. Then organizing, you have to organize the browser. Depending on your kid's age and independence, you can do it for them, with them, or they can do it on their own. But you have to organize the browser. Get the bookmarks set up. Get the class, the teacher's website set up. Get the passwords set up. You, I'm going to use a should. You should never have to say to your kid, hey, what's the password to that? And your kid says, I don't know. You should know where that is. Your kid should know where that is. You should have some system of finding this stuff. Because I've been doing this a long time. What I see is I see a kid, they'll start working with me. And I'm like, all right, let's, and let's say they start working with me in November. And I'm like, all right, let's, let's look at your portal for history class. And they're like, I don't know my password. They haven't looked at their portal the whole school year. How is that possible? You know, get your stuff together. Get the browser organized, Google Chrome or whatever, and do- the documents and blah, 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 the calendars. Front load the calendar. If you're using Google Calendar, front load that with your kid. So the calendars, the bookmarks for the teacher pages, the bookmarks for the portals, and the passwords are the basics. Get the browser set up sanely. And that's it. That's all I got for you. Organize uh, visual, organize the browser, downsize, go to the admin and get people on the same page, coherence, uh, advocate with the teachers for clarity, um, and be patient with them, scaffold, um, ask yourself if the expectation of executive function is even realistic in the first place. And if you're a super driven, organized person, you're going to have to really 
understand that your kid's brain doesn't work like that. So really take more time with that question than you would for yourself and expect problems, but uh, look for the opportunities in this. And then the commitment to stretching yourself and working in your own stuff. And then we go back to what we started with, Debbie. Do you remember what the first one was? I do. It was love. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. As an action. Yes. Um, So much good, good stuff in there. Um, I look at my piece of paper here. You you guys can't see this, but I have notes everywhere because I, I always take notes when I talk to Seth, I learn so much. Um, Even knowing a lot about this, um, your ideas are so, so good and clear and helpful. So thank you for that. So I I have one question I want to ask you before we say goodbye. And that is, what should our message to kids be? If you could get inside the home of of a family raising a differently wired kid and we're about to go back to school, what would you want to encourage parents to share with their kids as they go back to school? You know, I I don't, it's going to shock you, but I don't have a message, even though I have a million messages. I, I think more than the message for me, I think it's kind of the way we deliver the message. So each family has different messages. I would say get clear on your messages and use them all the time. My dad used to say, you know, I was, I, I almost failed at a high school. I failed at a college and blah, blah. I, I just, I failed a lot of stuff. And my dad would say to me, you are not your grades. I remember that to this very day. Um, that was a message that he would tell me, you are not your grades. My dad used to tell me a journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. I use that all the time with my kids talking about baby steps and how Mm -hmm. to, you know, do this executive function stuff when it feels overwhelming. So whatever your messages are, you know, um, that resonate with you, figure them out, maybe make a list and maybe even present your kid with that list in a ceremony sometime be like, Hey, I want to tell you some main things I hope you carry into your life that I have learned about life. So whatever your messages are, great. Figure, you know, but use them a lot. Like they'll land even if they don't seem like they're landing. Just keep using them. Like if you get an argument with your kid, maybe your message is, hey, I'm so sorry I did that, but I want you to know that I love you no matter what I ever say or how my temper is. I love you and I'm here for you and I will make mistakes, but I will come back to you. I will apologize and I want to hear you. Now, what I said was it's how we say the mess- those messages and I, what I really think, I guess, to answer your question, how I want kids to receive these messages is with parents that have a grounded, regulated nervous system or a nervous system that's working towards that. In other words, it's not so much about the message, but it's that we've worked on ourselves and we try, we show through modeling and through our nervous system that we are a safe, grounded human being that they can come to and they can tell us anything. They can tell us anything and we will listen and we will be patient and we will not lecture and use rationalizing and try to get them to see the light and reason with them. And we will not invalidate their feelings and say, oh, you shouldn't feel this way or you shouldn't think that or you shouldn't whatever. But we will say with curiosity, wow, tell me more. Who are you? What's that about? How can I be helpful? Rather than that's not the right way. That's not what I think. That's not how I grew up that, you know, but where we can come with that. Um, So I think that's what kids need this fall is to be heard, to be seen, to be validated, to be understood. You don't have to agree with them, 
but to, for them to know that they can come to you with anything, then you're really onto something. Oh, what a great note to end this conversation on. Thank you. So um, before we sign off, you want to take a minute and tell listeners where they can find you and talk about TFOS, the upcoming TFOS, which will be just in a week or two. Yeah, sure. If you want to find me online, I have a site called SethPro.com. I have a bunch of freebies for parents and teachers. And you can sign up for the weekly vlog. I put out a weekly vlog on YouTube. I But you sign up on the site and you can subscribe on YouTube. You can find me on YouTube. I have so many resources. I try to be really in-depth whenever I create content. And um, I have an amazing audience, as do you, by the way. Um, I also want to say parents and teachers and everybody who's here listening, I just want to commend you just for you're doing stuff to, to help kids and just thank you. Thank you. Kids need you. Um, TFOS, the executive function online summit. If you go to executive function summit.com is my summit and we are going to be airing August 20th. Um, and there are three days of experts that, you know, people come usually because they're concerned about their kid who has executive function challenges and they're concerned about their behavior or their grades or this or that. But then there's sort of a bait and switch because people come and they find out, oh, it's about the nervous system and relationships and all this stuff. So if you love Debbie's work and, you know, her tilt on things, you might like TIFOS. It is a fantastic experience. It is a fantastic very generous event. And yeah, listeners definitely go check that out. Go check out Seth's website. If you're not on it's his free list. event for three days, yes. I want you to immerse yourself for three days. If you want to buy the recordings and the bonuses, you can do that, but you can come for free. Yes. And yeah, go check out Seth's website too, because his vlogs are great. There's just, there is a lot of amazing resources on there. Um, that is very in-depth and, and generous. So um, Seth, as always, it has just been a pleasure to chat with you. And um, thank you so much for just everything you shared. And yeah, we'll have to connect again and do a debrief and midway through the year and see how things are going and see how the reentry was. But thank you for everything you shared today. Thanks, Debbie. And go out there and connect with your kid today. You've been listening to the Tilt Parenting Podcast. You can find links to all the resources my guests and I discussed on the detailed show notes page. Just go to tiltparenting.com slash podcast and select this episode. If you love this podcast and want to help cover the cost of its production, please consider joining my Patreon campaign. For as little as $2 a month, you can help cover the cost of the hosting platform, editing, production, and more. Just go to patreon.com slash tiltparenting to learn more. Lastly, please help this podcast stay visible and easily found by subscribing and leaving a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks so much for considering. And that's all for this week. Stay safe, stay well, and take good care. And for more information on Tilt Parenting, visit www.tiltparenting.com. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent with sometimes hilarious and always thought provoking experts and friends at Mindful Mama. We know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast.